If you're ready to lose weight, Noom Weight can help. Our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you better understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits. And the best part is, you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at Noom.com slash habit. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash habit. Hi, and welcome to the Shoot from the Heart podcast with me, Diane Bell. If you want to write a script, make a movie, or quite simply live an abundant and creatively fulfilled life, you are in the right place. Each week, I'll share with you tips, techniques, and real-world information that will inspire and empower you on your path. Thank you so much for joining me. I am rooting for you all the way. Let's do this. Hello, 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 beautiful and amazing screenwriters, filmmakers, creative souls. I am so happy to be here with you today. I am so happy today. I hope you are too. I've had a very special morning. We just signed to buy a house. This is a big deal, you guys. I'm like freaking out. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Um, this has been a dream for quite a while and it's happened today. Woohoo! I can't wait. So next week we'll be moving house. I can't believe it. It's all happened so fast. It's amazing how life, I don't know about you guys, it just sometimes you're dreaming about something and hoping for it for quite a long time and it seems like it's never happening, it's never happening, it's never happening. Then suddenly it's like, whoosh, you know, and it's like totally happened. It's so amazing. I love it. So I'm kind of excited today. I hope you are having a great day too. It might not be quite as exciting. This is like a, you know, this doesn't happen too often, does it? We get to buy a house and you walk away with keys, keys to a new place. I'm so excited. Okay, let's talk about what we want to talk about today though. And um, what I wanted to talk about today was why you must write your screenplay or make your movie or do the thing you're called to do. Why it is so important that you do it. Let me be clear. I think in life, it's very easy to think, who cares if I do this? Right? Like nobody cares. <laughs> like who cares? Why should I care? <laughs> like, why don't I just give up? Why don't I just quit? And it's very easy when the going gets tough on our creative projects and the going will get tough. <laughs> this is the nature of creative projects. There's no creative project that's just easy from start to finish all the way through. None. And certainly not when it comes to making movies. So it's very easy to start thinking at some point, just screw it, right? <laughs> There's so much content out there already. I will never write or make anything as good as whatever your favorite movie is. So what's the freaking point anyway? It's not like the whole world is waiting for me to write something. So give up. I know that this kind of thinking was really why I didn't write anything through my 20s. For me, it was, I will never write anything as good as Hamlet. <laughs> so it's like holding myself up against the yardstick of Shakespeare. <laughs> that's awesome, right? That's insane. That's not awesome. I would just like to point out, that's not awesome. That is insane. That is like almost the definition of insanity, that a starting out writer, a beginner writer would be comparing themselves to that. But it was kind of like, well, if I can't write something as good as that, what's the blooming point? And you just give up. It's funny, the other day, like three days ago, I was on YouTube, as one is often these days, and I looked at a video that was with John Truby. I don't know if I should say his name. I probably should have just said a, re a revered screenwriting story structure guru. 
And it was a video in which he was asked the question, why do most screenwriters fail? Which I thought was kind of a weird question anyway. But the question was, like, why do most screenwriters fail? And he looked very serious and he suddenly said, because it's the most difficult craft in the world. And he went on to say, directing is hard. I mean, directing, there's so many things you have to think about. But writing a screenplay, much harder. So difficult. That's why most screenwriters fail. And I thought, what utter nonsense. That is so not true. I mean, let's be clear here. I, for instance, and I'm not particularly special, I wrote a first screenplay. I sold it within a year. It wasn't that difficult, let me tell you. There are some people who have done even better than me. I'm thinking of Diablo Cody, Callie Curry. Two women who wrote screenplays, the very first screenplay they wrote, they won the Academy Award for screenwriting straight out of the gate. (laughs) Now, I don't think there's many crafts that you could do that, that you could, with your very first attempt, win the highest accolade possible. I doubt if you're like a sculptor learning how to sculpt with marble, I doubt you could make David, you know, in your first outing. I don't know. I just didn't buy that. I do not buy it that this is the most difficult craft. Not to say that you cannot work at it and get better. Not to say that you there's always room for improvement and you can learn more tricks. But I think it's totally possible to succeed at a very high level with your first work, which is very uncommon because I think most crafts, you really do have to work at it. Like if you're a carpenter and you're going to like make a table or something, I, I bet you get better at it. Right? Your first table is probably not going to be your best. Whereas actually for some screenwriters, their first attempt is their best, or certainly their most loved, which is kind of interesting. So I truly do not agree with the idea that most screenwriters fail because screenwriting is so freaking difficult and we're just not willing to put in the work to learn the complicated story structure things. I don't think that's true at all. I think personally the reason that most screenwriters fail is quite simply because they give up. They don't write the screenplay in the first place. If they write it, they give up after they receive three rejections. Or they continue to write even though they've received a bunch of rejections, but they don't put their things out in the way that they could, and they don't really have a plan. So they're not focused. They're not resilient in their approach. They don't believe it's possible for them, and they get stuck. And one way or another, the net result of all of this is they give up right? You give up. So today I want to talk about giving up before you even do it, before you finish it, right? Not even starting in the first place. So I'm not going to be talking so much about giving up after you have done it, which we have talked about in a previous episode. It was called When Things Aren't Going Away. But today I want to talk about like why people stop themselves before they even get going and kind of what to do about it and why it actually does matter, that you write your screenplay. And I think for so many of us, this is a big thing because we sort of feel like it doesn't. We sort of feel like we don't really have a strong reason to do it. Nobody's waiting for it. Nobody's going to pay us money. Who cares? Who am I, (laughs) right? Who am I to do it? So a lot of this kind of thinking, and I say, I had this thinking, I I don't know about you guys. I would guess at least some of you, if you have a problem with starting your screenplay or if you have a problem with finishing a screenplay, I'm pretty sure that you will be having some of these kinds of thoughts at least some of the time, right? The kind of thought that is like, well, I'll never sell it anyway. I will never get paid for it anyway. Who am I anyway? Who cares what I say anyway? I'll never be as talented as so-and-so. I'll never write anything as good as blah, blah, blah. You know, 
all those kinds of thoughts. Do these sound familiar? I would love to hear from you. Now, one of the aspects of these kind of thoughts is that you are falling prey to a kind of comparison-itis, right? I call it comparison-itis, where you compare yourself to other people or to other projects or to other films. You know, look at those, look at those, like that is so good. I would never write anything as good as that, right? Look at those talented, blessed people who write amazing things and get paid tons of money for it. Who am I to think that I could be like them, you know, like I don't look like them. I don't have their connections. I don't have their, all their advantages, all their privileges. So how could I ever end up in the same category as them and actually make work that sells and has um, attention paid to it? Here is the deal. I am going to ask you a question and I want you to answer it seriously. Who are you not to? Let us take a, just a moment and remember who you are. You are a walking miracle. I am serious. I know that sounds like kind of a joke and it sounds like one of those things like, oh yeah, I am a walking miracle. It's funny how like when you give birth to a baby, everyone is like, oh, that baby's a miracle. How miracle. Look how amazing this baby is. Like you feel that yourself when you give birth. You just look at this thing that has popped out of your body and you are just like, what a freaking miracle. This came from my body. Look, he's got nails. He's got tiny little fingernails and a tiny little nose and it all works. It's all working. What the, right? And it is like a miracle and it blows your mind how that's possible that someone is even ever born. You are that miracle. We all are. The odds of you being alive at this moment, I mean, have you ever looked into that? It's like a million, billion, zillion to one that you would exist with your unique DNA structure. There has never, ever, ever been anyone like you. And there never, ever will be. I sound like Dr. Seuss, I know. (laughs) But screw it. Dr. Seuss is awesome. And you are a miracle. There has never been anyone like you and there never will be again. Now, what are you here for? That's one of the questions to ask. What are you here for? Do you think it's an accident that you're alive? Do you think it's just by accident that you're listening to me right now? Do you think it's all just a big accident? Some people do. It's legit if you want to think that. I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's an accident that you are alive. The more that I've thought about these kinds of questions, the more I have become utterly convinced that we're all here on purpose. And while I don't know your unique purpose, I don't know exactly how you are going to give shape to your destiny and fulfill your potential. I do know this. As human beings, we are here to grow and evolve. That is what it's all about. And you look at the whole of the nature, the natural world on this planet, that's what it's all about, growing and evolving. I think a very big part of being human too is healing, is transforming the pain and the suffering that has gone before us and that has created limitations and limiting beliefs in our own heads. Now, once you get on board with the idea that we are here to grow and to evolve, and as I say, I I can't figure anything else out. Like, I'm just like, that's why we're here. From the moment that we're born as babies, what we want is to make things better. We want to improve our situation. It's every time why a baby cries, it's because they want something, because they want things to be better. They want their diaper changed. They want to be fed. They want to be held. They just want to be held. And that goes on through our lives. We're always straining to make things better. Have you ever noticed that? Always wanting to just like to expand and improve and grow. That's what we're here for. That is what we are on this planet to do. I've noticed that if we don't do it, if for some reason we shut ourselves down, we tend to make ourselves very unhealthy. And many of us do choose this. 
I shared something about this recently on Instagram and a lot of people seem to really respond to it. I just had this thought that if you've ever watched a butterfly, the transformation from a caterpillar into a chrysalid into a butterfly, it's really the most extraordinary thing. I've done it with my kids two years in a row and I've just like, it blows my mind. We buy these caterpillars and then we look after them for a couple of weeks and you watch them grow and eat and grow. <laughs> and, they, and they don't, I always thought that a caterpillar sort of spun a cocoon around its body and then inside that cocoon in a very nice and tidy way, it just sort of grew wings. <laughs> Did any of you think that? I really thought that for years. That's not what happens at all. I mean, when you watch them, what happens is the caterpillar grows and grows and it becomes like the skin becomes thicker and harder until it becomes the cocoon. It's not like it's inside the cocoon. It becomes the cocoon. And then what is inside it just sort of breaks down and then that reforms as a butterfly, which then breaks through this cocoon, this hard shell that its epidermis became. It's insane. It's not pretty. It's kind of bloody when they come out of the cocoon too, which is kind of extraordinary to see. I think it's quite painful for the, for the creature. I don't think it's an easy process. It's not elegant or gentle. It's quite visceral. And, you know, I think this is it for us too on this planet. Our transformations are often also difficult. They're not easy. As we listen to the call to grow and to do things that are outside our comfort zone, it's so much easier just to go back to where we were, like just to say, and I really think if caterpillars had the choice, most of them would say, I'm just not going to do this. Like, I, like, screw that. I'm not becoming a butterfly. I'm just going to stay as a cat. I'm perfectly fine as a caterpillar. Who wants to be a butterfly anyway? Who wants to fly? Screw that. I'm staying here. I am like 99% sure that if caterpillars had a prefrontal cortex, i.e. if they had the capacity for rational, logical thought, and they had the capacity to choose their actions based on their thoughts, I am pretty sure that most of them would not choose to become butterflies. They would just be like, you know what, I'm just staying on the couch and I'm just going to be like watching Netflix and drinking beer. And it's fine. It's totally fine. Who needs to be a freaking butterfly anyway? <laughs> Those fancy asses, right? And I just have this feeling that that's how it would be. And that's how it is for humans. Like we actually do have this capacity to think and we have this capacity to be rational and we have this capacity to compare ourselves to others. And we also want to avoid discomfort all the time and we want to avoid shame and we want to avoid embarrassment and we don't want to humiliate ourselves or do anything that makes us feel bad. And so that is kind of like a pretty toxic thing for us, I think, because when we sit down to write a screenplay and we have this idea, like it just popped into us one day, we suddenly had an idea and we're like, ooh. You know, I'd quite like to write a movie about that. Oh, well, who am I to write a movie? Well, maybe I could. You know, <laughs> we keep debating it in our brains and the story keeps coming to us and it keeps evolving, it keeps growing and it seems kind of amazing and it's like it's just in us and it wants to come through us. But there's something in us also resisting it, <laughs> you know. And that's our brain that wants to keep us safe. It's like, oh my God, who are you? <laughs> who are you to do this? Don't be silly. The butterflies get to be butterflies. You're just a caterpillar. Don't get ideas above your station. But here's the thing. You were not born to stay as a caterpillar. I don't know what you, what your unique path is in this world. Everyone's is different. It's, and it evolves in time. It evolves definitely. It's not the same throughout our lives. At different times in your life, you will feel different callings. Different things will come into your heart. Different intuitions, different downloads, different bits of guidance. And if you're really smart, if you're really brave, you will listen to every single one of them. If you feel the calling to write a screenplay, 
or if you feel the calling to make a movie, or if you feel the calling to write a novel or whatever it is for you, that desire is there for a reason. I suspect in the caterpillar's heart, there's a little desire to be a butterfly. Fortunately, as I said, he doesn't get to decide whether or not it happens. It just happens. For you, you get to decide. But I'm going to tell you, if it's in your heart, it's there for a reason. That is the roadmap for you to grow. That is the roadmap for you to become who you're meant to be in this journey of life. The reason you must write your screenplay, the reason you must make your movie, if you are called to do it, is you were born to do that. It's part of your destiny. And if you don't, you're just being like a caterpillar who's unwilling to do it because it's uncomfortable, right? You've just decided, nah, not doing it. It's too much. You know, it's too scary. Maybe it won't work. Maybe I'll make a fool of myself. Who was I to think I could be a butterfly anyway? Who are you not to? You were born to fly. And I'm telling you, if this calling to write a screenplay is in your heart, it is there for a reason. Please listen to it. You don't know what it's there for. You don't know what it's about. And I often say it's really ultimately not so much about the screenplay. It's really not so much about the film you'll make. It's really about who you become on that journey of making it. I know for myself, making my first film, there were so many doubts and fears, like so many reasons not to do it, so many reasons that I shouldn't do it, so many reasons that uh, I should give up, so many moments where it was just like it was not coming together. No one was waiting for that film. No one wanted it. Who was I to make a movie? I'd never even made a short before. I hadn't been to film school, blah, 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 blah. All the reasons. But somehow I did trust that inner calling. I just kept going. I kept taking the next step. I kept doing it. And the result was I made the movie. Now, as I said, it's not so much about the movie. It's about who I became in making it because I became a person who believed in myself. I became a person who took action. I became a person who saw through a commitment to myself. That's way more important, actually, than making a movie. Those things are, like, way more powerful. I became somebody who shed the lack of belief in myself that had crippled me for over a decade. I let go of that. That was huge. That is much bigger. That is much more important than any movie. And you don't know either in making these things. It's not just about you. I mean, sure, so I became the person who overcame a crippling self-doubt, crippling fear. I became that person. That's amazing. But also by doing it, I inspired other people. I let other people know that that was possible. That's awesome, right? I also made a movie that I think touched a lot of people. Sure, it never, like, it never played on a really big scale. It's not, I don't think millions of people have seen it. The movie is Obsolidia, by the way. <laughs> Check it out. It's on Vimeo. I think it's on Amazon too. I'm not really sure where you can see it. It's in a bunch of different places. Go to Vimeo though and check it out. And if you want, send, write to me and I will send you a little code and you can watch it for free. But you know, it's a beautiful film. I put my heart into that movie and I, a lot of people reached out to me and continue to reach out to me to say how much it meant to them. Because the movie's about climate change. It's about fear. It's about facing the worst fears of our future. I'm making peace with them. So I think it gives solace to people too. And this is the thing, you do not know, you do not know, you have no way of knowing the impact that your movie will have. You have no way of knowing the impact that you deciding to write it 
that you're deciding to make it, you have no idea the impact that that will have, not just on yourself, but people immediately around you and then beyond you, you know, people that you've never even met. So to wrap up, if you feel this calling to write a screenplay, trust me, it is in you for a reason. If you feel the calling to make a movie, trust me, it is in you for a reason. You are a walking miracle. (laughs) You wouldn't have this dream if you couldn't do it. Don't worry about anybody else. Like Tune out the noise. What they're doing, how good their work is, how much work they're... It does not matter. It has got nothing to do with you. Focus on your own path. Focus on what you need to do. Listen to the calling. Step up and do the thing. It's your time. All right, you guys, I'm going to wrap this up now. This one's a little shorter than usual. But if you're feeling that calling to write a screenplay and you would like a roadmap to that, please go to my website, dianebell.com. A little pop-up will appear. If you just scroll down the page a little bit, a little pop-up box will appear and it will invite you to share your email address with me so that I can send you this roadmap. In the roadmap, you will get the seven steps, seven crucial steps you need to take in order to write a standout screenplay. And you'll also learn some other little tips and tools for the path. And it's completely free, completely free. Yes, you share your email address with me. Yes, you will then receive some messages from me, but I promise they're nice. (laughs) And besides, if you don't like them, you can always unsubscribe. There's that little button at the bottom of the email. Don't like them? Unsubscribe. You got your free roadmap anyway. So check it out, guys. DianeBell.com. I would love to hear from you as always. Hit me up on Instagram at Diane Bell. Let me know what you think of this podcast. And if you do enjoy it, please, please, please do share it with your friends, your social media circles. I would so appreciate that. I love you. I hope you're having an amazing day and that you have an awesome week. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. I'll be in the middle of my move. (laughs) Wish me luck. All right, guys, have an awesome day. Bye-bye. If you want to build more sustainable eating habits, Noom Weight can help. Our program uses psychology to help you better understand your relationship with food and empower you with the practical knowledge and skills you need to build long-lasting habits and behaviors. And with Noom, there aren't any good or bad foods. Instead, we'll provide you with the wisdom and expert guidance you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle and health goals. Start your trial at noom.com slash balance. That's n-o-o-m dot com slash balance.